God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord. I want to share something with us still on the Holy Spirit. Amen. The idea is that as we are gathered here, we are trying to look for the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. That the Lord will dwell in us and he would operate in us in the way that he wants to. See, in spiritual things, unlike in material things, you cannot jump steps. You can't jump steps in spiritual things. When I say jump steps, I mean if you don't put things where they are supposed to be, you will find that you will not be able to have any result at all. Amen. But in material things, it is not like that. For instance, in material things, you can obtain certain results without having to go through the right method. You see, so for instance, when it comes to money, you can get money in many ways. Hallelujah. You can get money in many ways. When it comes to a job, you can get a job in many ways, even in school to do well in school, those of you that are in school, to do well in school, there are many methods, including cheating, okay? When you cheat and then you write the answers there, the one marking will look at the answers and then will give you an A because that is all that he can see. But if God were the one marking in spiritual things, God does not just see the answers. He sees what you did to arrive at the answers. So it makes then the answer wrong. Even though the answer you've written there is right, before God, it is wrong because what you did to arrive at the answer is wrong. Hallelujah. Yes, so, and because many of us are used to the material life, because we are used to the material life, we somehow want to bring this attitude into spiritual things. So that when we are supposed to do five things, many of us or some of us feel that we can do two or three and then expect that we would get the kind of results that the Lord promises. But it does not work that way if we are supposed to do five things in order to arrive at a certain result, a certain spiritual result, then it is all the five that must be done. Then we must also know that 
the five things were not given to us to do because God doesn't like us. You see, it's like he should just give us the thing. Why must we do five things in order to obtain the results that God is promising? It is because the five things we must do are the necessary steps that would put us into that frame that allows us to receive what it is that we want to receive. So the things that we are supposed to do, God requires us to do, are not just things he wants us to do to satisfy himself. Like your child comes and say, Daddy or Mommy, I want this. They say, oh, clean your room. Do this, do this, do this. You give your child work to do, right? And then a lot of the work, it is so that you will not have to do it now. So the child is kind of relieving you of your stress so that now you can give what the child is looking for. Do you do that to your child? Mommy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. Then you give them something to do. That's not how God deals. God is not giving you something to do. Like he can't do some things. So he's asking you to do those things. Or he's tired. Or he's a narcissist who just wants to see you suffer a bit, you see. Then he can derive satisfaction from it and see that, huh, you have now done what I want. So now let me give to you what you are looking for. That is not how God is. Whatever God asks us to do, it is those things that would actually deliver to us what we are looking for. It's like coming here, leaving your house and coming here. There are steps you needed to take in order to arrive here, right? Imagine you got to the roadside and the next step was to stop a car and sit inside. Or you got here by your own car. The next step was to sit inside your car and spark the car and come. And you say, no. You have gotten to your car, but you are not going to sit inside. But you still expect that you will get to church. Or you've gotten to the roadside, but you are not going to stop the car. But you still expect that you will get to church. You said that won't work, right? Who is the next step for? It is for your sake. You are the one that seeks to get to church. Amen. You are the one that seeks to get to church. If you seek to get to church, then you must be transported here. And those are the steps that you are supposed to take. If you refuse to take those steps, then you forfeit the desire that you have. That is how it works with God. There are steps that will deliver to us what we are looking for. If we do not follow those steps, or if we feel like those steps are not worth it, uh, we cannot obtain what it is that God is looking for for us. It is even said that if you take those steps, but you take them grudgingly, you will still not get what you are looking for. So you take them grudgingly means that you would not have done them. But you feel like there's an advantage to be gained. So even though the steps are not steps you want to take, it means that left to you alone, you would not take those steps. But because God requires it, now you let's take it. If you take the steps that way, you will still not get the results. So when it comes to God, it is with little, little details. So some of us, at times we are taking steps, we feel like we are doing everything. Someone came to you and said they were offended that they prayed and they could not have access to God. So they decided that then they will not do it again. And I'm like, look at you. Hallelujah. Look at you. 
You see, this is somebody that does not understand what is going on. Because you think that then God is asking you to do certain things because he wants to stress you. So now you two, you are going to act up by stopping. You won't pray. But if you don't pray, <laughs> if you don't seek after God, you are the one who is going to miss out. Hallelujah. Yeah. At times you think that you have followed the steps, but you don't realize that you are missing out on some things. So you think you have done all that is required. But I'm not getting there, so it doesn't work. Hallelujah. No, spiritual things, eh? We don't gloss over the details. Every detail must be followed. That is why normally it's not just one attempt that delivers to you the results that you are looking for. It's several attempts and you coming back to correct your ways and to correct the errors in the previous attempt. And then you going at it again and being humble enough to see that if you did not get the results you are looking for, then it means that there's something to correct. And depending on the Lord to even show you what it is that you need to correct. So there are little, little details. For example, we are talking about being filled with the Spirit and you don't know what is going on. You are trying everything. You feel like this knowing that is within, you don't even know what it is so that you know that it has happened. But I'm also saying if it happens, you will know. Hallelujah. And then the enemy is in your head trying to tell you that, look, no, 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 it doesn't work or for you. It will not work or it's not true or it's much ado about nothing. I'm also telling you that you don't understand how spiritual things work. And that it is said that you can gather everything. Have you watched a video where they were crossing a river? So they've put a plank or something across the river. So you stand on it and then, so there are videos. Some people go out and they fall into the river. Have you seen a video like that before? Then some people go out and they fall into it. Some people, they go out, it's like slowly, but when they see that the end is near, then they want to fast forward things. And then as they, they fall into the river. Have you seen that before? The most interesting one I saw down, it wasn't the river one. They lined up money. So one dollar, up to five dollars, then 10, 20, 50, 100. So they line it up like that. And then they put a glass of some liquid at the beginning, okay? And then it was full, the glass was full. Okay, not to the brim full, but very close to the brim full. And then they stretched out to you and they put the glass on top of the tea room. Do you see? So you are supposed to be pulling the glass and if you cover one dollar, then it's one dollar you get. So it's like they've lined the money up like that and then you are also starting from the beginning. And it's tea room that you are using too pull the glass. Do you get it? So somebody will say, Kukru, and then it's just, and you see, if it spills, it falls on the tiro. The tiro becomes wet. It can't pull the thing again. Do you get it? tear. Do you get the point? It will tear. So some people will pull up, they'll get to the middle. Then it will spill. Do you see? Some people will also pull up. It's like, oh, one guy, it was like almost to the final one. And then he decided to <laughs> and then the thing spilled and then that was it. You see, now that is how it is with spirituality. Just like in this case, 
even though it's still progress, you will not get what you are looking for. Because if the end game is to get the $100, which was the last one, then you will not get it. So you'll be trying. You can pull even to the middle. It's because you can do the first two things well. Some of you think that, oh, by come to church. <laughs> this is enough. By this, let me receive all the things that God has in stock. No. No. Oh, but I listen to the word of God. So by this, let me receive all the things that God, no. Oh, even in my house, before I didn't listen to the messages, now I listen to the messages. So it's like a step forward. A step where? Where are you going? Just because, no. Listen. That's how we approach this thing. So we think that now I've added something small. Before I didn't listen to a message, now I listen to the message. Do you get it? So it should do what? Because I want to know what you are looking for. What will it do? Now you have listened to a message. It means that you should get everything that the Bible promises or the word of God promises. That's not how it works. Before I didn't used to pay attention in church, but now one person is preacher, I really pay attention. But I didn't used to write notes, but now I write notes. No. That's like, okay, another step. But we are taking 20 steps, so you've taken two. To come to church, to write your point when the message is being preached, that is not what will bring the result. That's not what will bring the spirit. If you don't do these things, you will not get to where the spirit will come. But these things are not the final step. There are several other steps you need to take. Hallelujah. And if we are really looking for God, if we are really looking for the spirit of God, then we must be willing to take all the steps. Hallelujah. You can say, oh, now I listen to him. No, you listen to him. So what are you letting go of? What are you turning away from? What are you applying to your life? It must be everything in order to get the result. In God, if 10 steps will deliver the result, it's all the 10. And I don't know why with this one in particular, we feel like, okay, now I've added something small to my life. So let me just relax now. It means we are not looking for what we say we are looking for. Then we complain when nothing is also happening. When it comes to spirituality, we take all the steps. We take all the steps. Not that we take some and relax a bit and wait to see what we'll do next. No, we take all the steps. But for instance, when we are teaching you what to do to get to the end, some of you, you are just looking for what to do next. And that's all. Your next change. Meanwhile, there are several other changes that you must undergo, several steps that will bring you the results. Hallelujah. So, oh, now I pray, I pray, I pray for 15 minutes now. Say it's okay. That is an example of somebody that is being led but does not know the reason why they are being led. That is being directed in a certain way but does not know why they are being directed. It's like being told to learn, but you don't know that the learning will make you into something beneficial. So you are just doing the learning because someone asked you to do it. When we were young, that's what we used to do. They said we should learn. Go and take your book and learn. Then go and take your book and you try to And all the while you are learning for the one that asks you to go and take your book. And that's how some of us behave when it comes to spiritual things. We are trying to get something. Hallelujah. So it's the goal. That is where we look at and say, okay, we have arrived or we can relax now. Once we have not obtained what we are looking for, how do we relax? 
How do we stop taking steps? How do we stop looking for what to do to actually get to that end? Well, it is that end, which is the spirit of God, to be filled with the spirit, for the spirit of God to take over our souls. That's what we are looking for. And if we don't see that, how do we relax? How do we relent? How do we calm down? We can't calm down. We can't feel like, oh, okay, now I'm even becoming better. No, what do you mean you are becoming better? When the end game has not been achieved. Well, before I didn't used to read my Bible, but now I read my Bible. Reading your Bible, you can read your Bible and go to hell. How can that be enough? What about understanding it? What about applying it? What about making changes to your life? What about doing all the other things? Because it's all the other things that must be done. So you see that at times we may claim that we want something from the Lord. Because I've tried to deal with people who claim they want something from the Lord, but I realize they don't. I've even tried praying for people who were trying to show that they were desirous of something, but I realized that they were not. They just somehow think that they could trick God into giving them something that they have not allowed God to prepare them for. You can't do that. It's not like God is too wise for you. God's system is beyond rigging. Have you seen a system that cannot be rigged before? You No matter what you do, you can't rig it. That's how the spiritual system is. That's why we are not in charge of the spiritual. If we were in charge, we could have created a system that would be rigged. But in the spirit world, there is no rigging there. You can't rig the spirit world, though. Hallelujah. Do you know why you cannot rig? Appearances are not different from what things are really. Like the way things really are, are not different from the way things appear to be in the spirit world. Listen, in the spirit world, the way things are, are not different from the way things appear to be. In the material world, the way things are can be very different from the way things appear to be. So what you are on the inside can be very different from what you look on the outside. But in the spirit world, it's not like that. And because of such a system cannot be rigged, it is robust against rigging. Hallelujah. It's robust against rigging. It cannot be rigged. So we cannot not take all the steps or not do what is required and still be able to get the results we are looking for. Hallelujah. So for instance, if you are not willing to go all the miles, travel the whole distance, you cannot receive anything from the Lord. James said, let not the one that is double-minded think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Imagine that. So you think, oh, but double-mindedness disqualifies you quick. That's the point. If you are not willing to travel the whole distance, you cannot receive what it is that you are seeking. So the question is, how many of us are willing to travel the whole distance to be filled with the Spirit of God? Is being filled with the Spirit of God that important to us? Is this new life that involves a new spirit, a new Lord taking over us and ruling us from above, that elevates us to transcend this material life? Is this so important that we are willing to go the whole distance in terms of what is required? In terms of what is required? In terms of what is required? Are we willing to go the whole distance? 
That becomes a question. Otherwise, every other thing that has been told us is still not going to do anything. In the end, it all boils down to our willingness to go the distance that we may be filled with the Spirit. And you see, the thing about being filled with the Spirit is that you need to have one taste. Do you see? You need to have one taste of being filled with the Spirit. Once you have that one taste of being filled with the Spirit, you become addicted. So at times, when people are not so interested in being filled with the Spirit, and they are not moved that to seek this kind of experience and state, it is a sign that they have not really been filled with the Spirit before. Do you see? It's a sign that they have not been filled with the Spirit before. Because if you have, if you have tasted of the Spirit before, you see, that's why in the marriage ceremony in Cana, when Jesus turned the water into wine, the chief of the ceremony said that, look, every person that starts a wedding brings the best wine first, and then afterwards, when we are all feeling, then those that want to drink more, we give them the wine that is not the best. But you have made us begin with the wine that is not so good. Huh? And then now you have brought the best wine. Now, he's speaking of the passing church and the incoming church. You get it. But the idea is that anybody that takes a sip of the Spirit of God will not prefer the old spirit again. It's like, why will you return when you have tasted of this wine? Why would you prefer that old wine again? Why would you prefer it again? You will not prefer it again. So when you seem to prefer the old wine or the wine that is of the flesh, when you seem to prefer that, it's a sign that you have not in any way tasted of the wine of the Spirit. Because when you taste of the wine of the Spirit, the next step is that you become addicted to what it is that you have tasted. So that you want to taste again. You want to taste again. So it actually then begins with that one taste. That one taste becomes your breakthrough. Because if you can come to that experience of the Spirit of God even once, properly even once, you will not return. Hallelujah. You will not return. The worst that can happen to you is the normal cycle that human beings go through. You see, where you rise up and because it seems as though of yourself, you begin to think that you are something yourself a bit and then you slow down a bit, then you pick up again. That's the worst. But to not be interested and to not see how crucial it is to be filled with the Spirit of God, it is a sign that we have not experienced the Spirit of God. It is a sign. And today, that's what I want to dwell on. Because at times, some of us have misunderstood what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And because of that, we have felt something before. And so we don't think that what we felt is anything for us to stress about. Do you see? He said, you have had a certain feeling be, and you are thinking that is the spirit. He said, oh, okay, it's okay to add it to our lives, but it's not to kill for. Yeah, if it's part of us, fine, but it's not something to stress so much about. Hallelujah. If you think you have tasted of the Spirit of God and you think this way about the Spirit of God, it's a sign that what you tasted is not the Spirit of God in the way that you were supposed to taste of the Spirit. So you have to look for proper tasting. 
Because anyone that drinks into the wine of the Spirit, the Bible says that by one Spirit have we been baptized into one body. We have all been made to drink into that Spirit. Anybody that partakes of the Spirit of God in whichever way goes on to seek after the Spirit even the more. Because they get to know that this is a higher life. This is a greater life. This is a far superior life. This is a happier life. Hallelujah. But when you have not, you don't understand why so much noise is being made about it. So then maybe your effort should be to just strive to have a taste of the Spirit of God. Just a taste. To know what it is in exact, you see, that's why we keep describing. Every experience, try to see if it fits the description of the presence of the Spirit of God as the scriptures teach. So what experience that you are going to have, it must fit that description. Try to put your everything into coming into that experience once. Then maybe you will understand why it means everything and why you would not do anything to jeopardize your experience with the Spirit of God. It's like a drug. See, an intoxicating drug. The moment you partake of the Spirit of God, the things that now will quench the Spirit become your enemy. They will not become things that you indulge in small, small, so it doesn't kill all of the spirits. The other side is like, no, they become your enemy. You begin to take more drastic steps to do away with anything that would hamper the presence of the spirit of God in you. See, no one would teach you consecration when you taste of the spirit of God once. Because you will know that this is all that you have. And you are at your best when you are filled with the spirit of God. You will know that this is all that you have. This is it. This is the inheritance. Last week I was sharing with us that this is our inheritance. This is what God promised. And maybe it doesn't seem powerful to you. But when you taste of it, you will know this is it. Because this is the seed from which everything, it's like the fountain of life has been deposited in you. That's what is called the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he preached that the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the spirit of God coming. A new rulership. Some of you think that the Holy Spirit is like, ah, you are being stressed to do something that you don't want to do. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are happy. You are excited. Your heart is full of love. The things that plague, they are not there. That's the spirit. You see, we know the state we come into when we receive the commandment of God that we must compel ourselves to do. And we are trying to equate that to when the spirit of God fills us. Righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. It is likened to a new song, a song bubbling out of you. You see how when you are stressed and when you are oppressed, you cannot sing. You know you can't sing. A song can be there, but you can't bring yourself to sing. Because the source of a song is joy of heart. 
there must be joy in the heart for a song to be possible. Except a yabubu, you get it. But real song, no. So one of the signs that the spirit of God is not filling you up is that you can't sing. Some of you like songs, so don't, please. I'm not talking about those that you like songs, so how you are singing, no. There's the bubbling of a song from within you. It's like your heart itself is singing all the time. That's what I'm talking about. There's laughter from within you. And if you allow yourself, you will find that intermittently you break forth into laughter. There are shouts from within you. And if you allow yourself, you will see that they come out from time to time. There is a new vision. There is a new understanding. Your head is lifted up high. Not because of a confidence that comes from the world. No. It's because of the confidence that comes from the Spirit of God. Just once to taste of the Spirit. You know what some of us know? Some of us know what is called tasting of the Spirit, but it's not tasting of the Spirit. In spiritual things, one of the things that can happen is that as we are in this world, in a brief moment of time, when we are able to align ourselves, albeit not in the way that is proper alignment. Let me give you that. You see how that there's a time you feel so moved, you just want to give your all for the Lord. I told you the story of a guy that came to me one day. He said, I want you to shepherd me. I was on campus there. I want you to shepherd me. And when he was talking, I realized that he was moved, you see. So I said, okay, but when you go, you will not come back again. He said, no, no, he will come back. I said, when you go, you will not come back. I said, okay, so go next week, come. He didn't come back again. Up till now, he has not come back. Do you see why? Because I'm sure he had seen something, he had touched something. Something had shaken him in that moment. And normally in the moment when we receive the word of God and we allow the word of God space into our life, like we draw conclusions in our minds that this is how we are going to live our lives going forward. Listen, I'm showing you something. How you can partake of the spirit and you have not partaken of the spirit in the way that you should. See, when the word of God is coming to you, in the present, there are decisions that you have to make. You understand that? There are conclusions you have to draw. There are things you have to let go of in your mind. There are promises you have to make. There are vows you have to make. There are things you have to decide you are letting go of. If you are able to draw those conclusions and make those decisions in the presence of the word of God, it comes with a certain feeling of the presence of God with you. It comes with a certain feeling of the presence. That's how come there are people that said they came to the altar and they felt different. Do you understand? And so they are saying, no. You see, the Spirit of God, there are levels to the Spirit of God. Let me put it that way. So at times, you can taste a shaking of the Spirit of God in your life, in your heart somewhere. You can feel that God has come. Like, like for instance, somebody that is not even spiritual, he can be preached to, and as he's being preached, he feels that God loves him, right? 
He feels the love of God. Now, that's the spirit of God that brings this feeling to you. Now, this feeling is an inward feeling, right? Now, he's feeling that feeling because he's giving in to the word that is coming. But that's not the only step we take when it comes to giving in to the word that is coming. We must go on to apply the word. But in that instance, because all that you can do is to give in to the word that is coming and to agree with it and to make plans with it. You allow for yourself to feel a certain depth of the presence of the spirit of God. But the thing about that feeling of the presence of the spirit of God is that within a short while, it leaves you. Within a short while, it leaves you. How many of you have felt that before? So if you know that, hey, then like within some five seconds, it goes. Hallelujah. Now that is possible. And because some of us have felt something like that before, we think that that is the spirit. No, that is not. That is like a first fruit. That is like a signal to show you what is to come. It is not what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. It is like there is water on fire and then you dip your finger inside the water a bit. You feel the heat, right? But the whole idea is that this whole water will be all over you. So you must enter it. When we begin to agree with the Word of God, we dip our fingers a bit into the Spirit of God. Many of us misconstrue that experience with being filled with the Spirit of God. But that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Hallelujah. And because that's what we think, we think that that's what we are talking about, and we think, oh, it's not anything. It's like a temporary feeling of excitement that diminishes. It's like you inject heroin into your body. Within a short while, you feel this ecstasy, and then it dies down. That's how we think it is. But that's not what we are talking about. No. Let me tell you, even when you are sad, something has saddened you, and you successfully shift your mind away from that thing, you can enter happiness for a brief moment. But what is saddening you will pull you back out of that happiness. If what is making you sad is that important to you, you can for a brief moment when your mind is shifted, from that sadness, feel happiness and excitement. But that sadness will pull you back because that is what is in power. So we can, for a brief moment, have a taste, a slight taste of the Spirit of God. But because our hearts are not converted, our hearts will pull us back and then we'll be back to not feeling the presence of the Spirit of God. And that is not the one that we are talking about here. So if you have been experiencing that, so you say, ah, okay, okay, it's not anything. No, that is not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Not that temporary feeling of some high, some temporary feeling of strength, only to wake up from that feeling and see that you are not strong anymore. Do you see that? You feel temporarily that you can face anything, then by the time the service is over, you return to Earth, planet Earth and you see that you cannot face anything. That's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That's just a slight dipping of your hand into the realm where the Spirit rules. To be filled, we don't wake up from it. Hallelujah. 
when you make contact with the Spirit of God, it's a new government that has come. What government will come and will leave? Hallelujah. Because its purpose is not for you to just feel good temporarily. It's for you to feel good all the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a government. It's a rulership. It's a kingdom that comes to stay. He said he will abide with you forever. Not temporarily for you to think that all is well. Only for you to do your gadre. And then say, hey, all is not well. I'm back to my old self again. That's not the spiritual experience you are talking about. There is a permanent presence of the Spirit of God. The only thing that will make this presence not so evident with you is because of your engagement in the world. But even now, the moment you turn yourself back inward and you engage the Lord a bit, you find that you are alive unto the Spirit of God that way. You are alive unto the Spirit of God that way. So what has your experience of the Spirit of God been? You see, is it the then we are back? If you can enter a certain mood, and cry and cry and cry, and then when you leave, you are back to hey, nothing they go on. That's not the spirit. That's not what we are talking about. It's just a slight, it's like Bibi Kakene Chiu, you see. Yes, and then it's like the wind just passed over your eyes small. That's not what we are talking about. And I know that some of us, that's what we think. So we still don't get why <laughs> this is it. This is the life to be filled with the Spirit. That is everything. That is everything. It's to be permanently drunk. You see how wine can influence your judgment and make you sleep? There's a, a lie down. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see how wine can make you become a talkative? Hey, I sat before someone who had drank wine. The person is normally a quiet person. You see, the person talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. Not first minute two. Like maybe two hours. No, Kasa. But this a quiet person. You see, wine can influence your judgment and make you behave in a different way. Totally different. It's like you are experiencing a different reality altogether. And it's permanent intoxication when it comes to the Spirit of God. That's why, then you say, why do you know the Spirit will no longer be, oh, you see, my young friend, this Spirit will know. You will be preserving something. <laughs> yes, I, well, you know that that's all that you have. That's your secret. Hallelujah. That's your key. That is your key. That's your secret. You sacrifice anything to keep the Spirit of God within you. You sacrifice anything to keep yourself under the influence of the Spirit. Now, if you start praying, when you start crying, anything at home, come on, touch you there. The proper one, when you finish crying and you go, what made you cry becomes an indelible mark on you. Aka. 
So if there was a touch upon you that made you cry, that touch is permanent. It doesn't go. It doesn't go. Hallelujah. It does not go. So the one that you heard, you are moved. And then you are just, wow, it's something. It's a spirit, but it's not being filled with the spirit that we are talking about. Just had the day, even to help us understand the message naturally. Like this message I'm preaching to you. If some things will make sense to you out of it, it's still the Spirit of God that will help you. But when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, it's like the control room, which is your spirit, is opened and something is controlling you from there. That's the one we are talking about. Oh, I dreamt, and God said something to you. So some of you are dreamers. So you think that you meet God in your dreams. No. I'm saying that when you are awake and your eyes are open, what influence are you under? If you are under the flesh, that's the problem. I'm not talking about when you feel you come under a temporary influence, three seconds later, you are back to yourself. Talk about when your normal life, because it's our normal life that is the life. When we are here, we come to take in something, we go. When you step out there, your everyday life, with which spirit are you living? Hallelujah. First John chapter 3, verse 23. With which spirit are you living? That's what we are talking about. Hallelujah. So we will not misconstrue. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Amen? Let's go. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he had what? Given us. See, that's God abiding in us. And you say, oh, but we can't find him. Diana said, no. It's not that kind of thing that Christians, we do. We say something is living in us when nothing is living in us. Something is ruling in us when nothing is controlling us from within. When there is no spirit that influences us from within. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not something we say with our mouth. It's not something we say with our mouth. So we know that he abided in us. That's how we know. So you can know that you say, I will not be afraid. Greater is he that is in you, right? Than he that is in the world, right? So you know that you can face the world, right? Now this is how we know. When the spirit is in us. Now we can also know when the spirit is in us. So that's also not a mystery. It's not something that we cannot know. It's not an assumption we will have to make. No. It is something that we can know. If the spirit is ruling in us now, we can know. Because we operate with a different perspective. We are not influenced by the external impulses that come. We are influenced by the spiritual impressions that come. Our interpretation of life is coming from within. We are not affected by what comes from without. We dominate what comes from without from what is coming from within. Hallelujah. We can know this. We can know this. 
So it's not something we can just say, we are not sure, let's just say what the Bible says. No, you can know whether it's the spirit that is influencing you in any given situation that you are dealing with. You can know, at times in a space, you are trying to apply the word, but the spirit has not filled you. So what you have is the sure word of prophecy, which like Peter said, you do well to hold on to as a small light in a dark place until what? The day dawns and the day star rises in your heart. Now that is when the spirit comes. So I tell you, you are holding on to the word of God, trying to apply the word of God, but you see that it's with sweat and tears. Now that is not the presence of the spirit. When the spirit comes, the darkness goes and the morning comes. And the feeling of life that the early morning brings and the early morning sunlight brings is what you feel concerning whatever it is that you are dealing with. Amen. So, at least we know that small dipping of the finger into the spirit. So you don't misconstrue. Hallelujah. Like some of us have been Christians for a while, so it is a bit unbelievable to us that we have not been filled with the Spirit of God before. Our arrogance will not allow us to believe. But I'm telling you that there are a lot of us who have not tasted that before. No matter how long you've spent in this business. Because you can prove it. You see, what I'm telling you, you can use it to prove So calm down. But if you have to begin to seek this thing like you've never known it before, Eh? then you start the chance. But if you convince you, oh, you will then not be able to experience the Spirit of God. So it's best you see that, hey, Charlie, no. This thing. So, but I spoke in tongues. The one that came that you spoke in tongues is the dipping of the finger. When you finish speaking in tongues, what happened? You still needed to <laughs> do what? Return to the earth, right? And then now you have to overcome to actually become spiritual. Hallelujah. It's a small dipping that we know. So you can check. Be honest with yourself. What is being described, put it by your own self and see if Charlie no. I have to really apply myself. And like I said, you cannot just do two things and say, oh, it's enough. No, you have to do all the things. Hallelujah. You have to do all the things. Like someone said, me, all that I want to do is to establish a good relationship between me and God. Once that relationship is established, that's fine. No, you have to also establish a good relationship between you and others. And also work to save the souls of others. You can't tell me that this small portion, that's yours. The moment you do that, you will not be even successful at that. Because what is stopping you from going all out to become everything that you could become is the same thing that will stop you from getting this little thing that you say you want to get. Well, you can establish a good relationship with God outside being useful to him. You can't. Do you see? So we can't do, oh, remember saying five cities. Okay, what do you mean to me? Three cities. No, it's all the five. That's all. If you can't eat, get up and go. <laughs> it's all the five. Hallelujah. Have you bought food that they say, look, this thing, what you are buying, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, 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 wake up
Like, so you say you don't want this and this and this, but it will not reduce the price of the food. This is how much it is. This is how much it will cost you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the term is to go all out, right? First John chapter 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. 13, look at that. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Because what? He hath given us of his spirit. Again, being filled with the spirit, it comes with fire. It's not just the opening of your mind. The one that is that you dip your fingers more is just a slight opening of your mind to become aware of something you were not aware before. But the real experience, it comes with a willingness and an inclination towards what it is that the new perception that is coming so that you cannot incline yourself towards any other perception. See, let me tell you something. Do you know why? When you are in a certain state of mind, no matter what we do to shift your mind from there, your mind will always return back. Do you know why? Because your heart is unwilling to let that go. Your heart is the problem. Because if it's just your mind shifting, but something is stronger than your mind, that is controlling your mind to determine how it shifts. So if you want to maintain a focus on something, for instance, you can be there focusing on your studies, right? Focusing on your say, that's all that you think about. Hey, I want to pass. I want to get first class. Hey, hey. All the time, your mind is on that, right? What is determining that? Your heart, right? Your heart loves a certain result that you want to get from your studies. That makes you always focused. So if you are going to have focus, heart must be in line with what you are seeing, right? Now, you can have that focus until you fall in love, Right? So when you fall in love, it's not that you can't see your books anymore. You can still see your books parked there, right? You can still see your lecture hall there. After you pass by your lecture hall to visit the girl, do you see? And then they are having lectures. But the girl says, come. Come hither. <laughs> <laughs> so you are going. You, see, you have quickly guarded yourself. You are going. So what has changed is that you can't see. You can still see. What has changed is that heart has determined a new priority. And it's a girl. Before it was books. But now it's a girl. So now all your focus has shifted also to the girl. So when you wake up and you're thinking it's a girl and how to spend time with a girl and what we are going to do, like, that's all that is in your mind. Before, your heart was to get results in your studies. So you are focusing on your studies and your mind was there. Now your heart has changed. So your mind has followed suit. Do you understand that? So when we talk of the presence of the spirit, the heart element is key. That's why the Bible says, clothing tongues of fire settled upon their head. Now the fire is what? Affections, love. So when we experience the spirit of God, there's a heart condition that inclines us to that revelation. Has this happened to you before? That you can't be one so much now. Oh, no, I believe it. But yeah, the fourth rabbi say, hey, it's me here with you, but what's it there be? First one I can have you been in that situation before? Why are they there? Because I command to see way now you pay. And that's how strong the heart is. That's how strong the heart is. So when the heart is affected, there's an inclination to the perception that you are having from heaven. Eh? That you will not incline yourself to the perception that is from the world. 
Some of us, you think of it, it's a perception, oh, there's another one, but the, another one is holistic. No, you won't lean in this direction. And your foolishness be cram out. Hallelujah. Because your heart is no longer there. See, your fears that make you focus on the world is because your heart is with the world. Once your heart shifts, your perception shifts with it. And it is that heart shifting and perception shifting that the Spirit of God brings. Hallelujah. For instance, I tell you that my belief in God is because of a commitment. It's not like, hey, I heard things about God. No, 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 no. I don't see how it is possible. There's no room to lean towards not believing in God. And it's not because of what I've heard here. No. So there's an inclination to a certain perception. Inclination. It's like you can't see what goes on. It's the same way that when you were in the flesh, the spiritual perception existed. Just that you were so inclined to the flesh that you could not bring yourself to see. Even if you were told. So you can be told about spiritual things, but still. In the same way, you can be so inclined to the spirit that you can be told about fleshly things, but you will not be inclined. They can list all the benefits. 50 benefits of being fleshly. Hallelujah. Have you seen the food that you don't like that people like? Ah, why are you eating this thing? Now that is how it becomes to you in terms of the perception that is in the flesh. You can't. What is this? Hallelujah. Before it's a fight, a fight, a fight. But when the spirit comes, there's an inclination. You are tilted towards the angelic realm. You are tilted already. And this is what God is offering us. And we have to see if that is the case with us. If it is not, then we have to do everything. Because you can't do some of the things. You can't do some of the things. Oh, now I come to church. No. Now I just study my Bible. Oh, no. You have to come to church, study your Bible. Okay. Now I listen to the messages. Listen to the messages. Not done. Now I apply the message. Apply it. Not done. Now I apply it with good intentions. Okay. Still not done. Wait for it. Temptations. You enter temptations now. Now I stay the course and I get to the point where it is only God that I'm looking to to deliver me. Good. At that point, spirit is ready to come. What do you think? Yeah. One of the things that made the people of Israel become offended in the wilderness, let's just arrive at where you promised that. Not knowing that we will need water, not knowing that we will meet issues, not knowing all these things are there. So listen, they want to go back. Listen, they want to go back. Listen, and some of us, that's how we are. Listen, we tried one, two, trying to look for the Spirit of God, we saw nothing. One, two. Let's just relax. Let's just, no, please. No. We must cover all the ground. Because what is at the end? The treasure that is at the end. That's the thing. What is at the end? Everybody knows their limitation. Imagine your limitations do not exist. And go further to imagine that there's even a realm that this thing can be taken that you cannot imagine. Because John said that it does not yet appear what we shall be. Like, yeah, 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 we get a few things, but it doesn't really appear what we shall be. 
But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And when they asked Jesus about restoring the kingdom, understand? His answer meant the restoration of the kingdom. His answer, that you shall receive power. So will you at this time restore the kingdom back unto Israel? This is the kingdom being restored, that you may be filled with the Spirit. May the Lord help us.